The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United with me, Ian Irving. I'm not totally sure on this Monday exactly what we're going to speak about, really. It was a, a win at Wolves, but it was an ugly win, wasn't it? Not much to really praise, apart from possibly Mason Greenwood, who scored again. Uh, but other than that, hang on a minute, we need to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo, don't we? Yes, welcome to the show everybody and hello to our dynamic duo on today's panel too, Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten. Laurie, hectic weekend? Uh, a thrilling weekend I would say from a journalistic point of view. Um, yeah, Friday was um, eventful, um, it was fun to try and figure out exactly what was going on, the switch from Man City to Man United and then um, you know the kind of um, celebration I suppose as, as Ronaldo was officially announced um, and it was yeah one of those days that you know I'll remember for a long time because it was uh, a lot happened on it yeah and you had a music festival to fit in around all that as well <laughs> which I'm sure we'll speak about and a trip to Wolves Andy quiet weekend I was going on holiday with my family at four o'clock on Friday morning and at eight o'clock on Thursday night the Athletic asked me to write a piece on Cristiano Ronaldo going to Manchester City so I did what Laurie and myself and Carl would do, we pick up the phone, we speak to people. And I woke up very early, I was on a plane, I was writing the piece, and my excuse to my wife was, look, look, just forget the plane journey, and then the holiday starts when we get to Croatia we were going to. Did the piece, um, sent it in, and switched my phone off. And then I was getting some pretty odd messages, um, which I couldn't understand, like, you better take your wife out for a meal tomorrow. And then Laurie got in touch and said, have you heard anything on Ronaldo and United? And I said, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on holiday, mate. I'm just not doing anything. He went, yeah, sorry, mate. I didn't realise. I, I forgot. Um, I, but the one thing I did agree to do was the, the press conference. Um, so I asked a question to, to Ollie, which was quite open-ended. Are you happy with this squad? And that gave him a chance to say... Um, no, I want to bring more players in and I'm just about to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. And he, he gave an all right answer. And Laurie went straight in after me with, you know, are you signing Ronaldo, yes or no? It wasn't that direct, but it was a proper good straight in. It may as well have been and that, yeah. What happened then was, Ollie had said in that press conference, I don't want to add to speculation. But that's exactly what he did. So I think every journalist was like, what on earth's going on here? And again, hit the phones, the piece had written, hasn't been published. I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day, which is a shame because it was about him going to City. And then people established in the afternoon that United were in talks, were about to sign him. It moved so quickly. And it, it was pretty exciting. And on days like that, when it's a big Manchester United story, it's just non-stop. And I just had to say to people, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm on holiday. I'd, I'd, I'd agreed to do like two or three interviews. And then I don't know what it was like for you, Laurie, but it's pretty exhilarating, isn't it? Trying to get that balance. Um, I did BBC, I did Sky. And when I'm doing Sky, I got a message off one of the people who was absolutely involved in in the doing the deal. And he's like, I'm watching you smiling on Sky. And I felt like saying, cheers for the heads up. You know what I mean? I've just gone on holiday. But life doesn't work like that, does it? So, yeah, I, my, my overriding emotion was I was pleased that he'd, he'd sign. I think he'll improve Manchester United, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. But please, from a purely selfish point of view, I'd rather not get divorced. If you next sign a big-name player, don't do it on the first day of a holiday. <laughs> That's the thing, though, isn't it, that people don't see? You know, we're very lucky to to have, you know, jobs covering football. It's It's many people's dreams growing up, isn't it? Uh, that sounded really corny, but you know what I mean. Um, and that does clash with <laughs> with personal things, doesn't it? Like going on holiday. Um, 
but you sort of just have to throw that out the window when something like this happens. And the one thing, Andy, I guess you found out is no matter the personal circumstance, you can still uncover one of the biggest stories in recent years in football, whether you're on a plane on a boat, going on a holiday, whatever you're doing, you can do it. So that's one thing. You never have to worry about that again. Uh, Laurie, where were you when you sort of pieced this? T- Sorry, Andy, you were going to say? Uh, technology allows us to do this. Um, as a journalist, you can never fully switch off. You can reduce your level of work down or, or what you plan to do. So you know, I, I told the athletic I'm going to be away um, for a bit of time now and the other people that I work for. But the news cycle doesn't stop. And it's not for everyone else to know that you're on holiday and you can either take it or, or knock it back. And people said, oh, sorry, sorry for bothering you. Could we just do five minutes in the morning? And as a journalist, and this is how I earn my money as well. So there's definitely a financial aspect to it. You've basically got to decide. And I've got a wife and children. My wife understands what, what my job is. There's plenty of pros to my job. And the timings in, in life is often imperfect, isn't it? So... Uh, but I went to bed on Friday exhausted, but pretty happy that Ronaldo had signed. There is that. Laurie, um, where were you then? Because uh, we need to get into this festival at some point. So <laughs> you've been to Wolves, you've been to a festival, and you've covered <laughs> Manchester United signing Ronaldo. How exactly does that timeline fit together? Did you have personal disagreements about what you were doing on Friday night as well. Uh, it was, yeah, there was well, not as mad as Andy's holiday, but there was I'm a, sure a social no. engagement on Friday night that got pushed back a little bit. Um, yeah, basically, uh, so Thursday... Did you just say the, the phrase, a social engagement? Well, if I explain fully, it's a, a crayfish... Uh, you need to. A crayfish event with some Swedish friends of ours um, down oh in London. Oh my God, it's getting worse. Yeah, uh, you sit around the table. You all you get involved in the in the crayfish, which I hadn't eaten before. The like little. Are you being serious? Yeah, the like little prawns. Lots of drink was had. Lots of Swedish songs were sung. It's a, some some event they do every year. These Swedes. So we were invited this time, and it was a great gathering. And actually, it was the perfect way to end the day because, you know, when you've just worked from like you know whatever time in the morning it was to you know whatever time it was like eight half eight by the time I'd filed the uh, sort of big read on Ronaldo um, and at that point I just wanted to go and unwind massively you know we've seen Roy Keane talking to Gary Neville on the overlap about uh, the way he used to unwind in between games and that was kind of how I felt that I'd you know you've had this pressure this stressful situation and you just need to go and be with friends and and drink a lot of alcohol. So that's what and I did. And eat crayfish. And eat crayfish, yeah. They were lovely, to be fair. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure they were, Laurie, <laughs> yeah. So any pastel dinata for, for afters or...? No, no, no no pastel dinatas. It was uh, it's some hot shots there were, though, uh, which is like a kind of liqueur, coffee with whipped cream thing on top. And then you have to sing this song about hot shots, including in Swedish what the uh, ingredients are and then down them. So there's a few of those that went round. Um, but you know, sometimes you, when we do these podcasts, you don't have to be completely honest. Sorry, you could you could maybe just <laughs> say, oh, "I've had things. drinks with." Fr-. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't expect it to take this twist. I have to be honest. I'm an open book, Ian. Um, but but I, I say I say all that just because because the day had been so mad and hectic. It just it felt the right kind of thing to do in the evening. And um, yeah, because the, the, the Thursday was. You know, we'd been asked, I'd been asked to write a, a sort of paragraph on a Ronaldo story that we had about what would, what would be United's um, reaction to this um, from a fan's point of view. And also the club, you know, why were United not involved here? And, um, you know, I wrote something back in May about United, if Ronaldo came on the market, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would absolutely advocate, um, back, you know, signing him. You know, he's, he's always tried and looked. Um, so I kind of always felt, surely Solskjaer will push for this so that, that was at the back of my mind and then on Thursday night you've got Wayne Rooney speaking as Derby County manager saying um, I don't think he's going to City and now that's just one man's opinion and you know what might he know necessarily but also I was thinking why would he say that why would he go so strong and say um, that that kind of thing because he could look silly if Ronaldo then signs the next day for Man City it just wouldn't look great so I thought that's that's interesting I have to give a hat tip to David Ornstein. He got a message from somebody on Thursday night saying, I'm, I'm here in United. So woke up on Friday morning thinking, you know, there's, there's something potentially brewing and you just you just message everyone you can think of that might have an idea because it's such a big story that even people that are, um, you know, usually secretive, usually reserved, are, are getting excited about the prospect of something like this happening. And one one guy got back to me that's been good with me in the past and just said, I can see it's another Dimitar Berbatov. 
And that really sort of thought, made me think, right, okay, there's, there's something in this. And then obviously you've got Rio Ferdinand um, tweeting the um, Leonardo DiCaprio meme that, you know, suggested some twist might be afoot. Um, so I, I, I got down to, and then I was going down to London for this, you know, this social engagement, should we call it. Um, I did try and, see, I did try and euphemise it to begin with, Ian, and, and you grilled me, so I had to kind of open up. Um <laughs> It was, it was, yeah. <laughs> Lived up to it. Um, and it was fo- better than I expected, I'll be honest. <laughs> so I'm on the train. So I, I came down from Wilmsdale, I got, I got the train and I'm messaging people. Obviously, you can't really call, can you, on the train? The, the reception's rubbish and you don't really want to ha- have people overhearing what you're talking about. So I'm sort of... Yeah, Avanti. <laughs> they, they, they love it. Great trains. Um, and uh, yeah, you can see messaging and I'm sort of thinking, I think this, this, we need to do that. And you're putting it on... You know, you're putting on the people at United that you trust to kind of come back to you in an honest way. And it, it, there was nothing that made me think this isn't happening. Um, got to the office and I was sort of saying, I think we should do something here. Um, editors, you know, being rightfully cautious, you know, you don't want, we're the athletic, we want to write stuff that's correct. So you, you want to check, check and check it again. You don't want to write something that's going to be found to be false ultimately. Um, but as you've said, as Andy's mentioned, as soon as you go into Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and I just thought, you've got Rain Rooney saying stuff, previous nights it was it was a a fair comment it was a fair question to ask and you could tell from that 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 the game was afoot that obviously in hindsight United had already been told that he was going to come so that's why Solskjaer was so confident in speaking about it because he has been asked about players before and he's very much shut the question down um so you know you could tell that something was going on there came out of the um the, the booth that we have in the office in London it was the first time I was down in the offices in London very nice they are um, and I said, we, we need to be on this straight away. So we managed to do the story fairly quickly. And then it's about going you know, and, and, and finding out as much as you can for, for the read later on. But it was great being in the office. It was, um, you know, seeing people face to face is so much more important. You know, you, 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 you're superior to the people that kind of put these things together and put them on the website. Um, so that was really useful. It made we, we could do things quicker. Um, and it was nice just to be chatting to people and, and you can have those conversations naturally about, well, why would Ronaldo come actually? And well, actually, that made me think about who I could call then to sort of think, well, can you sort of firm up this element of the story? So, yeah, a great day from a journalistic point of view. Yeah, I think it's why people enter journalism in the first time, isn't it? To work on the biggest stories like this. I mean, that press conference was really interesting because I know fans do this and I'm sure people... Um, listening to this, or subscribers to The Athletic will do the same. You sort of have to read into sometimes what's not said and, and the spaces between words and the looks on people's faces and the, and the inferences that normally if you read a piece of, of script, a, a transcript from the press conference, it doesn't always come across. And that was a classic sort of Solskjaer read between the lines press conference I thought on Friday where he didn't really say that Cristiano Ronaldo was joining, but the fact that he didn't say that Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't joining and the fact that he felt the need to, I don't know if, I don't know if praise is the right word, but he, he, he didn't feel uncomfortable building up Ronaldo and building up his legacy at United and things like that. And to me, coming out of that press conference, it felt like a really uncomfortable connection that he would sit there, praise Ronaldo, or, or not praise Ronaldo, but yeah, speak up his legacy at Old Trafford if he thought that he was immediately going to go and join Manchester City because there's a bit of a tightrope to walk in a United manager's situation to talk about a legend of the club who's not yet joined the rival, but he's likely to join the rival. And, I, and I'm sure he would have been much more careful in the way that he spoke about Ronaldo if he thought that was going to be the case. So that's a really long way of saying I thought that Solskjaer was hinting the minute I came out of that presser that Ronaldo could join United. And, and I was the same. I got immediately on the phone and sort of said, you need to take a look at Solskjaer's press conference because that, to me, doesn't seem like a Manchester United manager speaking about a United legend about to join City. Anyway, we'll talk more about Ronaldo in a little while, but at this point, I need to remind you that you can still get a 33% discount off a subscription to The Athletics to celebrate the start of the new Premier League season. That's a third, more or less, of all the best content on Manchester United, the best analysis from the best United journalists around, and of course, ad-free versions of all the podcasts, including Talk of the Devils. So to get that discount, you need to head to theathletic.com forward slash manunitedpod. That's theathletic.com forward slash manunitedpod to get a 33% discount off a subscription to The Athletic. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. Right, we'll get back to Cristiano Ronaldo in a moment, but we need to talk about Wolves nil, Manchester United 1. 
and the blood that was boiling all around a decision that felt very similar to the same decision almost in the Southampton game. Andy, what was your reading of it? It was probably a foul, but I've never known an outrage like it. I think it was probably a foul, and there was a lot of outrage around United's performance, especially in the first half. I felt once again United were pretty unconvincing, and if United would have failed to win at Wolves, I think the mood would would have slumped. And I said a few weeks ago on this podcast that someone at the club had told me we just need to get to that international break in a good position. We just need to sort of scrape our way through because the pre-season had been imperfect. And I think that's happened. You know, there's loads of questions that everyone has got about Manchester United, about the midfield. But Oli will now have the team that he wants after the international break. United have got seven points out of nine games. It's more than last season. It's more than the season before. I thought it was a very busy game of football. Mike Dean is never slow to show his authority. I was concerned about Bruno Fernandes in the first half. I touched on it last week in the pod where... I think his mouth could could get him into trouble this year. And he's got his way of seeing things, which he's absolutely entitled to. But the referee is the referee. And I just think that Bruno could start costing himself and the team. Uh, The reaction from Wolves fans was one of outrage. Man United getting benefits from the referee Um, again. My bottom line on it is it's three points. It was a late win. Mason Greenwood, who I'm sure we'll talk about more, finished again. And sometimes you need to get them scruffy, dirty wins. Uh, The the atmosphere was just pure Viva Ronaldo. And we said again that the away side at Wolves is not great in terms of getting the, the atmosphere going. But I think the buzz which really kicked off on Friday will continue, but most United fans, most reasonable United fans, will have questions about about the team, and especially about the midfield. We can look for more positives. I thought De Gea was really good again, so that's definitely a positive. Pogba was really poor in the first half, really good in the second half. Jadon Sancho, I thought, had a really quiet debut. He'll get plenty more, more chances. And I won't say it was bold of Oli to start Sancho and and Varane, but you don't buy them players not to start them. So he had to start them, and he did. And he needed to yeah, do that. He, he did. We said that, didn't we? He needed to be more ruthless about it. Yeah, and you know, I don't know what how you felt, Laurie, um, being in the stand there at, at, at Molyneux. Um, I thought Trincao, who had watched a lot for Barcelona, uh, Traore, who had watched a lot for for Barcelona B, um, they were both a handful. Not saying that Wolves were effective in front of goal but that was a very busy game and United's players had to be on it yeah I mean Adama Traore runs like nobody I've seen before I, I was um, covering Aston Villa when he was signed there um, and you know he, he he was a bit of a headless chicken in that situation um, he, he had incredible dribbling ability but yeah against um, against Fred he, he would cut inside I think he went past him four or five times in the game it it got a bit embarrassing, um, particularly in that first half, um, where it looked like United would be overwhelmed. Really, um, the midfield was a was a, an issue, and that was something I asked Solskjaer about afterwards. And he didn't like the question. Um, maybe I phrased it a bit poorly because I sort of said, "Oh, where was Pogba playing?" And he said, "Well, you, you've seen the game; you can see where Pogba played." But my my point was kind of I felt like he maybe changed from the the first half, where it was a bit more advanced, to second half a bit deeper, and that was something that clearly felt a reaction to the way that Wolves were cutting through United. Um, so I think that's an area that is of concern that we, we might touch on. Um, you know, Ian's mentioned um, the festival that I was at on the Saturday, which was um, All Points East in Victoria Park. And one of the acts that I saw was Fred again, who's a DJ, uh, who has a really good song that I enjoy dancing to. Um, and I was just thinking, I've gone from Fred again to watching Fred again have not a great game for Manchester United. Um, uh, sorry, I had to get that one in. Um, and uh, but the you know the the, the hangover uh, from the festival was sort of lifted by the atmosphere at the stadium. You've mentioned um, the Viva Ronaldo aspect to it, um, and th- it was very much a case of as soon as they got off the train at Wolverhampton, the United fans singing those songs, and and that was even the case after Mason Greenwood scored. You know you've got the cardboard cutout, you've got the Portugal flags, 
And I think that at least meant that United were, were able to cling on to um, some hope throughout the game that they had this kind of natural buzz from, you know, a big signing um, that it didn't turn into, a, you know, a, a sort of difficult away following um, because, they, you know, I've, like I said, I've been in those kind of away followings before where the performance at Wolves has been bad and, and the atmosphere has, has sunk, you know, immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at least that's, that sustained the kind of positivity. But certainly from a playing point of view, there, there are issues there because, you know, you, you can't really go through a Premier League season expected to be title challenges where you've got no control in midfield. I know that Pogba um, got on the ball more in the second half and I, I think he was, again, a really good performer. I know that, that the deep midfield didn't really suit him, perhaps, but he was able to do those long balls, you know, to Bruno, for example, those first-time passes. I mean, that, that, that one in the first half where Bruno's just offside is a remarkable pass, um, which on another day would have provided another assist for him. So I can see where Solskjaer's coming from in that situation, putting Pogba deeper, um, particularly with McTominay out injured. Um, but I don't know if, if long-term that is a sustainable thing to do. Well, midfield is certainly still an issue, isn't it? There's no question about that, like you said with Fred. Um, Mason Greenwood is a standout. Another goal for him. Perhaps the keeper should have done better, but who cares? Um, but Andy, you sort of briefly mentioned him before. Um, David De Gea. I can't remember the last De Gea moment we've had, actually, because that save was incredible. And it felt like he used to do that every week at one point. Perhaps it's the fact he doesn't need to do it every every week anymore, a little bit. But also his form has definitely slipped over the course of the last couple of seasons. So to have another Dave moment felt important, didn't it? Yeah, this was De Gea of three or four years ago. There was that double reflex save in the second half when Wolves really should have scored, but also in the first half as well. And I think it's it's important for, for David. He's, his stock has definitely fallen among United fans. There were people saying last year um, Dean Henderson should be the number one and obviously they've got the reasons for, for saying that. I think that what happened in Gdansk uh, with the penalties won't have lifted David's um, mood anymore. And people have held his, his wages against him, which again is understandable. He's, he's, he was the best paid player at Manchester United until... Well, until Ronaldo joins. And I don't think he always helps himself with the media. He doesn't do a lot of engagement. So I thought it was interesting that he spoke and spoke in English after the game at, at Wolves. But he kept United in the game. Wolves had a lot more chances. I think I made a note after 60 minutes that Wolves had had six chances on goal and Manchester United had, had had one. I still felt that United were capable of, of getting a goal. And, and that happened. But David De Gea is playing behind Maguire and Varane. I mean, he's got to start feeling certain of his defence and the defenders also of, of the goalkeeper. But he's played well two weeks on, on the bounce now. And, yeah, I think it's good. If you've got... At the start of last season, there were definitely issues about David De Gea and people were saying it's about time that Dean Henderson was given a go. So it's pleasing that he has been one of Manchester United's best players uh, at the start of, of this season and also that he's doing media. I think he should do more media. He might not like me saying that. I think he should do more media in English. He's now a senior player at the club and he's got nothing to hide. He's got an interesting backstory. He's a proper football fan and people don't really see that much of David here. And... Obviously, what he does between the sticks, that's the most important thing by a long, long way. But yeah, he's, he's, had, he's had an encouraging start and that, that's definitely good. Yeah, I've interviewed David loads over the years. He's obviously been there a long time and it's only recently that he's admitted he can speak English because he could speak <laughs> it a long time before he was willing to do the interviews in English. He's not the first player, by the way, to do that. There's quite a number of them um, down the years who, who have chosen, I, 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 chosen to speak still in their native tongue. And I, I guess there's a sensitivity around the way sort of questions are answered and handled. I think David didn't like the way that his English answers were being translated back into Spanish by the Spanish press at different points as well. But I agree because there's a likeable personality in there as well. Um, years ago, I used to do a programme for MUTV called United Jukebox and it was sort of the merging of, you'd love it, Laurie, uh, music and football. Um, and sort of players would reveal what sort of music they were into and all this sort of thing. And you'd get into like the songs and the players' songs and what music it was set to and things like that. And David would speak openly about his sort of love of heavy, heavy rock music, metal music almost. Um, De Gea Love Slayer was like the, the the slogan that came out of all of that. 
uh, and, he, and his teammates would tell stories about how he'd go into the dressing room and they'd be like R&B or dance music or something like that on and he'd just like stick on Slipknot and everyone would look at him like, what? And then because he's a goalkeeper, he gets away with it. Um, but there is definitely a likeable character in there and I think he's quite sensitive, Andy, as well. I don't know if you know him sort of better than I do, but always he comes across to me like he's someone who sort of needs the support and needs to be loved. And when he's in form, I don't think it's any coincidence that that form tends to run and run. And when he's out of form, that seems to run and run as well. Have you sort of noticed that with him too? I think he's got two lives. He's got the David De Gea in Spain, where he's been heavily criticised for his performances in the Spanish national team. He's going out with one of the the country's most famous singers. She's not a heavy metal singer, so there's another contrast in his life. And then he almost escapes in in living in England. He lives a very quiet life. As you say, he's spoken English for for a long time. Um, Laurie and I know Eric Steele, who was a man who spotted him, brought him to Old Trafford. and He spoke really well of him as a person. You're absolutely right, Ian, in terms of him feeling that some of his answers have been taken out of context. But sometimes I just see someone where I'll speak to him in Spanish and he's just so much more interesting off the record than, than what he'll say publicly on the record. But there are a lot of players like that. I'll often interview players in English and Spanish and they will frequently say to me, any chance we can do it in Spanish? And as a journalist, it's much easier for me to do it in English because you know your own language better than any other language. But it's, it's an issue. And, you know, you if I speak to Fred, we have a common language, which is Spanish, even though he's never lived in Spain or played in Spain. But his Portuguese is like a bridge into that. So linguistics and football... It's definitely um, an interesting area, especially now because so many of the players, well, there's more Portuguese speakers in that game yesterday than English speakers. But I don't think Davi's got anything to hide. As you said, he's a decent person. I just think he's very wary of the media. I don't know whether that's because of um, because of he's changed agents a couple of times, because there might be some professional envy because of his, of his huge wages. Um, but... You know, he's back on song. He's been at Manchester United for a, for a decade now. And I think history will remember him very well. He had those four or five years where he was the best goalkeeper in the league. Laurie, what have you just been given there? You got look very excited. I don't think it was at the prospects of David De Gea's return to form. <laughs> I've got a double sausage, an egg McMuffin and a hash brown because I've not eaten oh. yet this morning. It's 11 o'clock. No that's, wonder you're excited. That's, that's service, eh? I'm jealous, very jealous. You're you're a man of many tastes, aren't you? From from crayfish with the Swedes on Friday night to a McDonald's breakfast on a Monday. Good lad. Right. That's enough about Wolves. I think we could talk about it a long time, but at the end of the day, like Andy's mentioned a few times, Manchester United needed to get through to this first international break. They've managed to do that with seven points. So I think it's about time we go back to talking about something else. Maybe we can talk about Cristiano Ronaldo again. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Cristiano Ronaldo had the choice of where to take a free kick from. He'd probably choose just about there. Here he comes. Oh, it's two and it's absolutely magnificent. And Cristiano Ronaldo has pretty much won this game. 
on his own inside the first 13 minutes. Ronaldo! Manchester United supporters might celebrate. Perfect start, most definitely. What a strike that was from Ronaldo, absolutely fantastic. Back to Ronaldo, what a goal this would be! Stunning, simply stunning. Ronaldo makes it 3-0 to United on the night, 4-0 on aggregate, that's it now. You can start booking your flights for Rome. Brown for Ronaldo in the 26th minute his 42nd goal of the season it's come against Chelsea it's come in the Champions League final I guess he doesn't really need much of a reintroduction, does he, Cristiano Ronaldo? But we've just given him one. Um, one thing actually about him coming back, Laurie, this Ronaldo isn't going to be happy with second place, is he? What difference do you think that's going to make to United? I think that's a huge difference um, because he's got... It's sort of one thing saying a guy's a winner, but then it's actually another thing that he's got the trophies to show for it. You know, That, that, that mentality is allied to um, the fact that he's actually got the silverware in the draw as well. So, um, you know, and you've said already, I think the players are buzzing. You know, privately we can hear that. Also publicly on social media we've seen that. Well, David De Gea's answer, we should have mentioned that before when we were talking about De Gea. The, the little who that, <laughs> and the smile between De Gea and Pogba told you everything you needed to know about the excitement in the squad, didn't it? The look on the faces. Yeah, for sure. And, and Luke Shaw ahead of the game, I think, was talking, you know, in genuinely um, you know, happy terms. It's, you know, often players will say things that they should be saying in those kind of situations. But, you, you know, you sense that there's a, a genuine um, appreciation for what he can bring to the team in that, you know, regardless of the fact that he's going to be the top earner, regardless of the fact that he's going to be, you know, on penalties or, you know, whatever else he might have as an impact to the team. I think they can all... Will he be on penalties? Surely. I mean, does he... Do you think? Does he not take pens? That's going to be a really interesting one. And obviously Bruno Fernandes was involved in getting him tonight. You know, he was tapping him up. To say, I imagine that was a clause he inserted. You're coming back, mate, but you're not well, having spot kicks. <laughs> free kicks, maybe. I mean, Bruno's not scored a free kick for a bit. So, but then again, Ronaldo. You know, we've often seen him hit the ball, haven't we? Um, but that would be an interesting, you know, dilemma. Um, you know, who, 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 who's on those dead balls? Um, but I think, yeah, generally the, the players, you know, and certainly, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is happy to have him in in the team because, as you say, he's not somebody that um, would accept. You know, standard slipping. He he holds himself in you know extremely high regard. You know, Patrice Ever obviously tells that story about him going over for a little uh, lunch. He thought he thought he was having a social engagement with Rio uh, with uh, with Cristiano Ronaldo. It turned out that he was having a glass of water and some chicken breast, and then and then some football training in the garden outside. So you know that kind of approach, I think, will just rub off on the other players. I mean, I did an interview with Tony Strudwick, who was. Uh, Manchester United's fitness coach at the time when Ronaldo was first at the club and he tells the story about how he would see from his sort of office in Carrington you can look out over the pitches and he would see Ronaldo go and take out something from underneath um, the turf uh, at Carrington put them around his ankles and then do some keepy uppies and some skills and he went back out afterwards Tony and, and found out that there were ankle weights that Ronaldo was putting on his his ankles and um, and I think he was kind of keeping him a secret because I don't think Fergie would have necessarily appreciated it. It was sort of a bit unconventional. Um, but that's the kind of approach that I think he will he will bring. And, and players like Mason Greenwood will look up to him and, and say, well, listen, this guy's won everything you can win in the game pretty much. Um, so if he does it, 
you know, I should be doing it. Uh, and I think that's only a good thing. And I mean, we heard, you know, the, the clips from um, previous uh, matches. All those players will know those moments, you know, will know about the, the Portsmouth free kick, will know about the Porto screamer from 30 odd yards that was a winning goal in that tie. You know, it's not just these are goals that uh, look great, that they're meaningful goals. Uh, and I was at the Derby, I was at the game when he, he made his debut against Bolton. He comes off the bench and, and does these tricks that I'd never seen before. You know the stepovers, the way he carried the ball. And I think for fans that haven't seen him play live, that will be a really special moment to see how this guy, um, you know, has such care for the ball. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see him back in a United shirt. Yeah, it's intriguing actually because you just talked there about the old Ronaldo. You know that that was the Cristiano Ronaldo that arrived in Manchester with a weird striped or checked jumper, was it? <laughs> Pair of flares, spaghetti hair, and stepovers. Like you know that you'd never seen anything like it before. But obviously he's transformed in recent years. I mean, there's sort of a I sort of felt like this wave of like, oh, he's not as good as he used to be, sort of thing coming across as as United sort of made the the announcement that he he was going to Old Trafford. So I just had a quick look at his stats from last year. He scored 45 goals for club and country last season. And that's not a player... Well, it's not a bad standard to set for a player who's supposedly on the wane. Um, and, and like Laurie touched on there, the, the sight of Ronaldo in a United shirt, again, it's a different Ronaldo that United are getting back. However, it's still a very good one, isn't it? He's still got it. I said that right from the start. I watched him a lot in Spain. I've watched him in... Uh, Italy for, for Juventus, his statistics, his goals, his assists, watched him in the summer, in the Euros, he's, he's still got it, he's 36, he's, he, physically he's one of the most impressive elite sportsmen, he's utterly driven, as Laurie gave examples of there, you can speak to every single player or coach who was with him and they will all have their Ronaldo story from last time. Um, the one about Patrice going out of his house for a bite to lunch and you know they end up having a swimming competition which Ronaldo had planned out in great detail uh, <laughs> Diego Forlan um, his daddy was a prof- very good professional footballer waiting for his son to get changed at Carrington and just watching this young kid practicing free kicks and he just said to Diego that lad is going to be a very very good player and of course we know it was Ronaldo that said if he turns up in the same outfit as when he did in 2003, United should sell him to City for free. Take a hit on it, because that was absolutely horrendous. Those <laughs> jeans, and he wasn't the only one. There's that quite famous picture of like Rooney and Rio and Scholes. Oh, yeah. What on earth? What on, on earth were, were, were Mancunians or Manchester United players thinking fashion-wise then? It's not, it's not the 60s, it's not the 30s. It looks horrendous. And he was part of that. And I don't care if it's got Gucci or Prada or whatever on it. It looks horrendous. So he's got to get his act together off the pitch in terms of what he dresses. He has smartened up quite a lot. And I know he met his partner. She was um, she was working in one of the, the high-end stores in, in Madrid. And she's now a fashion model. So he'll probably be sorted on that. But yeah, obviously what matters most is that he does it on the pitch. And I genuinely think he will. I've not seen any evidence that he's a much diminished player. I really think he will be more of a, a Zlatan Ibrahimovic type impact, maybe even more than a Bastian Schweinsteiger, who came with his best years definitely behind him. Cristiano's probably not going to reach the heights, but Manchester United are not top, top either. There's still plenty of space for him to improve Manchester United significantly. We saw it at Wolves. United needed more options up front. We saw it at Southampton. So... Get him in there, he's going to expect to play all the time. And as Laurie says, the young players will idolise him. They won't just look up to him. They looked up to Cavani, who couldn't speak English and, and copied some of his habits. And Oli really encouraged that. With Ronaldo, there's stories of like Matic paying to take his family to watch Ronaldo. Suddenly they share in a dressing room. I was just thinking then when you were saying uh, about his how he's changed, United might need to update their songs. I was thinking yesterday... Running down the wing, he plays on the left. He plays on the right. I think he's just going to play up top, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> There's not going to be loads of running. Uh, he's going to score a load of goals. So maybe they need to uh, update the chance. But listen, they'll obviously still sing um, those sort of classics. They've got a good, good, good melody to them, haven't they? And, and it gets uh, gets the crowd going. So, um, but yeah, uh, I think it's a. It would be interesting to see if he, you know, if he goes straight into the team against Newcastle. Um, you know, that that's obviously the first game after the international break that he, that he could feature in. Um, he's in good physical condition, and I imagine that the atmosphere 
um, at Old Trafford will be, you know, pretty special. You know, we saw um, the buzz when Rafael Varane was announced on the pitch before the Leeds game. You can imagine that'll be multiplied by a number of factors for Ronaldo's return. I'd love to be a fly on the wall, Laurie, when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sits Ronaldo down and says he's going to be on the bench. <laughs> I'm just warming you up, Cristiano. You know, I just want to make sure you're easing back into life in Manchester. <laughs> I can't imagine that going down very well, to be honest. I have to play, boss. I have to play. <laughs> I wonder if he'll call him boss, actually. It's quite an interesting dynamic, that, isn't it? Because if I hear Ronaldo say boss, I always think he's talking about Sir Alex Ferguson. So, yeah. what do you think he'll call him, Andy? Gaffer? I don't know, because he's, he's now the biggest, the biggest star of the club, isn't he? Sir Alex was, was always the main man, and you've got this dynamic now where Cristiano is, is, is the biggest figure at the club. I think as long as there's a respect, and Ollie's quite easygoing, and the players tend to like him, they don't have to agree with him all the time. On a more serious note, I think there's a lot of pressure on Ollie now, because people will say, you've got this team, you've got to get the best out of them, and there were times at Southampton and Wolves where United didn't look look convincing, so I think there'll be a lot of scrutiny on, on Ollie this year. Do you know something else, Andy, as well? When, when United have had some of their best periods, they've had Solskjaer picking the same team, almost. It, it's not been this tricky sort of negotiation of of when to play certain individuals, has it? Whereas now, there's going to be some major, major footballers sat on the bench or even potentially out of the squad. That, that's a totally new thing for him, isn't it? Yeah, but there's, there's no guarantees with this. The best example is Madrid with their Galacticos. They were completely top-heavy. Then again, the president was signing those players and Oli has been signing the players that he wants to, to bring in and, and they've got to do it. We all just assume that Sancho's going to be amazing, that Varane's going to be amazing, that Ronaldo's going to score 30 goals. doesn't always work like that. And in this soap opera of Manchester United, it only takes one small thing to, to blow up and upset the balance. But I think the, 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 the team is in a pretty good place at the moment. But I remember Carlos Queiroz being first day in, Fergie just said, take training. And he said, I felt like I'd been handed the keys to this Ferrari. Oli's now in control of that. And he's got to get that car driving to its maximum. He really does. It's People won't be convinced if United are not playing well. There were always times under Fergie where United didn't play well. There were months, months after month where United didn't play well, but they got the results. So results first, but there's got to be a decent uh, style. And I think Oli would probably have more confidence to play a more attacking style. Um, with the plays he's now got at his disposal. That doesn't mean that talk's going to go away about bringing in a central midfielder. No, no, that's true. And there's a question on that, which we'll get to shortly. Um, just need to talk about his number, actually, Laurie, if that's OK, because potentially by the time we next speak on Thursday, his number may well have been decided. But I understand that United would have to have unique special dispensation from the Premier League to be able to take the number seven off Cavani and, and give it to Cristiano Ronaldo if they were to do that. And of course, Cavani would have to agree to it as well, which I'm not sure what happened with Jaden Sancho and so on, because there was talk of him being the number seven and he's ended up being 25. So I don't know if it really matters, but for the brand, certainly, what number do you think he'll be? Yeah, I really don't know. <laughs> I wish I could say. Um, numbers is always a sort of subject that I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily drill down into, um, but it does mean stuff for players, doesn't it? You know, what, what number they are. It's, it, you know, Anthony Martial, for instance, had the number nine taken off him when Zlatan came to the club and that put his nose out of joint a bit. Um, there was a bit of a, uh, a branding exercise there for him that, that he'd associate with the number nine, so that was an issue. Um, but then Solskjaer's given it him back and kind of given him that faith to go and, you know, try and be the centre forward. Um, so yeah, it is a debate. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe seventy-seven. You know, as some kind of um, configuration like that would would, would be okay. Um, but yeah, there was some talk about twenty-eight as well, wasn't there? Because that was a number that he'd worn, at, I think, at Sporting Lisbon. That could be quite a nice way, you know, a bookend for his career, perhaps. Um, although you know, there's some suggestion that he might eventually go to the MLS um, after this. But um, but yeah, I mean, the, the fact of Edison Cavani being the number seven, you know. Would would he want to give it up? Would he? Well, as you said, I don't think he's able to really with with the Premier League being the way it is. You know, once he's you know been assigned that number at the start of the season, that that's it really. Um, it is interesting actually. Just touching on Cavani, he obviously came off the bench yesterday against Wolves, 
and the news this morning that he is not going to go away with Uruguay now when it looked like he was going to go and the number of matches that would have meant him missing with the quarantine and, and particular issues about actually coming back from Uruguay and, and, and there not being direct flights, so it might actually... How many games was it, Laurie, that he would have missed? I, I think about four, but then if he'd done the same thing in October and um, November, again, it would have been, you know further games that he would miss and, and he's obviously as we know quite particular about his fitness and he came back late from Uruguay in pre-season um, you know for, for family reasons so um, he's somebody that likes to be in peak physical condition to play each game I think you know he's realised that actually spending 10 days you know or more in a, in a, in a hotel um, not of his choosing would be um, detrimental to you know getting that fitness but I also wonder whether the Ronaldo um, signing has, has sort of made him think. Well, actually, I want to be around this. You know, I want to be a part of a squad that's got Ronaldo in, and I want to compete for my place. You know, it's going to be an interesting one. Who does Oli pick out of the, out of the two of them? Can he pick both of them? Um, you know, if he picks both of them, it'll be a thirty-four year old and a thirty-six year old up front, which is you know not the most sprightly of of, of uh, strike passes, but equally both of them know how to score goals. So um, that you know that's for Solskjaer to decide. But it's interesting to see how it shakes down. Yeah, you certainly get the sense that Ronaldo signing will have a great influence over the squad and the players and it certainly had an influence over the songs being sung at the weekend. Was that on the United We Stand bus, Andy? Yeah, it was, otherwise known as the, the monkey bus. 30 years old since we started doing those buses in uh, 1991. And, yeah, the, the, it's great that fans are now going to games on a regular basis. Southampton away last week was the first proper away game with a full allocation. Wolves, are, uh, again, everyone buzzing off um, Ronaldo, singing all the different songs for Ronaldo. So I think the signing has been welcomed unanimously. Um, for, for the time being by Manchester United fans and it went from Friday morning him going to City and to Friday night him being a United player so yeah the, we're going to hear Viva Ronaldo and it's a good song as well I, I remember it really lifting off in Rome away and as Laurie said he scored massive goals Ronaldo it wasn't just great goals really important goals Porto away Champions League quarter final against a very good team and in Rome, that curva was full of maybe 4,000 United fans. And I always remember thinking, it's inspired by what the Italian ultras sing. I don't know the, the history to, to the song, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great song. There's a lot of bad football songs, but that's a, that's one of the best ones. Yeah, I think I mentioned it when I questioned to you last week, Andy, when we were talking about Ronaldo going to City. I, I vividly can still hear the Viva Ronaldo song echoing off the, I don't know what, the tube in Moscow is made out of, but the tiles, the echo of Viva Ronaldo through the through the uh, tube stations there. It reminds me as well, uh, my dad took me to uh, Villa Park for the FA Cup semi-final replay against Arsenal in 1999. Um, and the Roy Keane song, the Keno song, I just remember that echoing across Villa Park as well. They're the two songs that sort of stick in my mind uh, from following United down the years as a fan. Yeah, of course, we touched on a lot of the positives of Manchester United re-signing Cristiano Ronaldo. But actually, in the live chat on The Athletic on Friday with Carl Anker, there was a bit of a split, in fairness. There was quite a few points that were negative, so there was a lot of positives. But I think we need to talk about some of the negatives, actually. So if you wouldn't mind answering this question, Laurie, because we sort of touched on it before with Andy, Alex L is asking, in capital letters, where is our defensive midfielder? There's not long left, is there? Do you think one's not coming now? Um, yeah, I I get the impression that that's United done for incomings. Um, listen, we'll, we'll see. Uh, they've done a deadline day signing before, you know, last window, the window before. So, um, yeah, never say never. But um, I wrote a piece last week on Sal Niguez and the fact that he's been available all summer. You know, United know this and they haven't, you know, moved on it. So, 
that would indicate to me why would they leave it to the very last moment of the window. Um, there's other players, Kamavinga um, could be available for a sort of reduced price from rank. He's got a year left. Um, again, doesn't seem like anything's progressing there. Um, and, and Declan Rice is another one that I know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer really likes, but you know his his uh, salary, uh, sorry not his salary, his uh, transfer fee would be um, very big from West Ham, um, who don't want to sell him, and he's got you know a number of years left on his contract. So um, that's kind of how I view the situation. And um, yeah, clearly I think it's an area that needs addressing because if McTominay is injured, you know obviously he's, he's having surgery on his groin that, that troubled him towards the end of last season. He played through it, um, particularly at the Euros and in the Europa League final. But it was decided that he needed to have this operation to clear it out. Ho- hopefully it's only a month that he's out. But then it, you know if you have Fred and Pogba or, or Fred and Matic, we saw at Southampton again that the kind of control wasn't there. Clearly, it's an area of the pitch that needs addressing. Listen, maybe United can get through this period um, without strengthening that area and you know, relying on players to score enough goals to to make it so um, that they keep winning matches. I think Varane coming in did um, make United look defensively sound. I like the way he um, came forward to make tackles to kind of seize possession. He wasn't. He wasn't. You know, uh, he was a very active participant in the game. It wasn't like he was kind of sitting back and letting seeing how things develop. He he, he he saw where the danger was and, and, and attacked it. So, and he looked car- calm and comfortable. He looks a good physical presence. You know that question about is he going to be ready for um, the Premier League brutality? I think can be kind of set aside because you know that was a, a pretty rough game and he, he managed to you know certainly hold his own. Um, so I wonder if that at least you know him being more f- further forward kind of condenses the whole team. You know, can can they be a closer unit altogether? Um, perhaps that's one way of looking at it. But yeah. I think ultimately it will be an area of the pitch that United need to strengthen at some point. Yeah, I think the fact that we've barely spoken about Rafael Varane making his debut is probably a positive for a centre-half. It shows that he's had a good game and, and, and not made mistakes, although he was beaten for that header by Romain Saez, wasn't he, when yeah. he did his thing? But anyway, uh, Andy, another question here then, if you wouldn't mind answering this one. This is from Kieran. Um, we sort of spoke a little bit about this before in, in relation to Cavani and Mason Greenwood, but he's sort of saying, what does Ronaldo's arrival mean for the, the other strikers in the squad? Maybe sort of the impact on Anthony Martial or by proxy some of the wingers who sort of are even less likely to play like Ahmad or, or Dan James. What, what impact do you think it'll have? I wouldn't be surprised if we see Dan James going out on loan. There's a, a couple of clubs interested in him in the Premier League. Uh, eyebrows raised at the, the loan fee which he would attach, but to me it seems like like good sense. Um, I think Ahmad, well, we know that he's, um, he's he's got injured, so he was going to go on loan to Feyenoord. Uh, that's now not going to happen. So, yeah, some players will be pushed aside a little bit to the point that it's better for them to, to go on loan. Oli's got to be ruthless. You know, I didn't think that Dan James played particularly well. In the first half, I definitely think he's he's got something. But this is on Oli this year. If he's finishing fourth, it's just not going to be good enough, and his job will be under severe pressure. And um, I think on balance with with Ronaldo, good influence. Clearly, he's got the talent. Clearly, he's still a talisman. And then look at the others individually. Marcus Rashford comes back from his injuries. There's a great player there. He can become a better player alongside Ronaldo. Anthony Martial is badly out of form. Needs to get his form back. But I think he'll be given chances because this could be like a 55-60 game season. You've got the Champions League, got the League Cup, got the FA Cup. And Oli wants to go, like last year, on all fronts. If you remember that game at Everton last year just before Christmas and eyebrows were raised at Bruno Fernandes had started the match because it was only a League Cup game. Uh, it's because he needs a trophy. And and a League Cup or an FA Cup would absolutely uh, lift the mood. So if he's got a big squad, that's not uh, a, a bad thing. And we look at the numbers of strikers. Um, I think that's a good thing as well. Every player wants, every manager wants more players. And that's what I asked him on, on Friday. I didn't know where that was going to end up leading but managers tend to to want more players and Oli cited Jose Mourinho for saying that with Cavani I was told a couple of times that he won't be expected to play more than 60% of the matches and that was before Ronaldo coming in so I think the best case scenario is something clicks remember the treble season in in the September Cole and York played together and just clicked at Southampton away. And that's when Fergie went, 
I, I've got this now. And we may see something happen where it, it just might, I don't know, it might be Martial on the left or whatever with Ronaldo. Uh, Greenwood's his absolute starter at the moment. He's doing fantastically. And Ollie's got to see that and go with it. That's the best case scenario. The worst case is that there's too many injuries. The team aren't lethal in front of the goal, as they haven't been in the last couple of matches. But I think he can definitely lift the players around him. They can do some of the work for him. He's got legs, but not the legs that he used to have. But I don't think he's restrictive. Like, Barca completely had to change their game as Messi, Messi and Suarez got older. And I don't think United would, would have to do that. But yeah, get him up top, as Laurie says. He will finish. And that's what United need. Just one last thing on transfers, actually, Andy, if you will not mind. Um, you've probably got the, the view from the other side of this compared to us here. So there's still talk about Kieran Trippier um, coming from, from Madrid um, and the chance of like Diogo Delo going on loan uh, to Borussia Dortmund. Do you, do you still... I mean, there's not long left now, is there? There's, there's barely a day. Um what do you think is going to happen there? Do you think that's one that'll, that'll I'd just be, go away I'd be now? Surprised if Trippier ended up at United. That the facts are United were very interested in him. Their understanding was that Kieran Trippier was keen to join Manchester United. Atletico Madrid did not want to sell him, and when Diego Simeone wants a player, he tends to to keep his player. Trippier signed a contract. Contracts are signed for a reason, and Atletico would want too much money for Manchester United. Um, at the moment so could have a situation where he leaves on a free um, in a year's time could have the same situation with Paul Pogba of course so I'd be surprised I spoke to one agent on on Friday um, not specifically Manchester United related and but he's got some big big players and he said uh, he's never worked so hard to do so few deals this year and he wasn't you know getting the world's smallest violin out. He knows that the rough and smooth with his job. But he was saying he expected it to be a very busy end to the the transfer window. Again, not specifically Manchester United related. Uh, I'd be surprised at this stage if any more players came in. But I said three weeks ago, don't write off another player coming in because that's what I've been told. I just didn't expect it to be Ronaldo. <laughs> no, I don't think many of us did, Andy, to be fair. Right, OK. Um, just before we go then, we need to just mark the Champions League draw, actually, because, Andy, you got your wish. You're going to Bergamo, if COVID allows, of course. Yeah, and selfishly, I like to go to places where I've not seen United play before. Bergamo's a good city. Atalanta have been a success story in Europe. I love what they stand for. That they've, you know, They finished above Ronaldo's Juventus last year on goal difference. They scored 90 goals last year. So... It's a good one. It's easy to get to. I hope that away fans are going to be allowed to go to these games. Villarreal, again, probably be another nil-nil. And Burn, Burn in 2018 was a really good place to visit. The United fans went went there. Uh, Anthony Martial did really well in that game. I remember speaking to Fred after that match. and Things were not good for him, but he'd done all right in that match. So United have got to be getting out of that group. No ifs or buts in. No excuses. Get through that group convince but I know for a fact that the people at the club I wouldn't say were relieved they felt they were due that draw yeah Laurie the other factor not even just in sort of it being favourable I think it's probably fair to say it's the fact that there's not much travelling either is there there's not many sort of long distance trips in that draw yeah certainly not Astana in Kazakhstan as it was uh, a couple of seasons ago sure. uh, and, and minus 15 degrees or <laughs> whatever it ended up being uh, over there did you take your coat uh, I, well I took a coat that turned out to be far from uh, you know equipping me to deal with that kind of uh, temperature plunge uh, it had a hole in it mine so I've, I've subsequently got a new coat anyway so hopefully uh, I'm pleased yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sure you're glad to hear um, so no but you are right in terms of it being Italy Spain Switzerland you know manageable trips you know it, it's, they, they seem like a, you know the travel shouldn't be too bad um, and yeah you, you expect Manchester United really to win that group I know Atalanta are a good team um, they obviously got far in the competition a couple of seasons ago but um, you know I, I think United really should have the qualities to to, to get past them Perhaps actually they're more suited to a team like Atalanta who will come and attack them. So, you know, you've got a bit more space there rather than Villarreal, who, you know, as we can all predict, will be a difficult team to break down. It probably won't be the best spectacle, but again, you're not thinking that they're going to, you know, terrorise United. So really that, you know, that, that is a group that should be manageable. Um, certainly a much more, um, you know, palatable group than RB Leipzig and Paris Saint-Germain. 
um, was you know a couple of seasons ago. So you know United have to be getting through that group. Yeah, or will be for other English clubs this year. It was weird, that wasn't it, that they were both paired together again with another Manchester club. Anyway, that's another Monday's podcast done and dusted. A lot of Cristiano Ronaldo talking there. We'll do more on Thursday and I imagine next week as well, ahead of his potential debut or second debut uh, against Newcastle. But before we go, don't forget, it's theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod for a 33% discount off a subscription to The Athletic. But thank you to Laurie and Andy. We've had quite a weekend, both of you. So I think now, Andy, you can enjoy the rest of your holiday with a little bit more peace, hopefully. Hopefully your wife and children are happier than they were over this weekend. And Laurie, you get back to your festival, mate. If you've managed to taste any more crayfish, I hope they're nice and sweet. Fantastic. That just went somewhere I never expected it to go, but it was beautiful. It almost rivaled the love train from a few weeks back, but not quite. I don't think we'll ever top that. Anyway... Thank you to you two. Thank you very much for listening at home as well. Like we say, we're back on Thursday with more chat about you-know-who. Athletic.